You may be seated in the presence of our awesome God. Happy Fourth of July. How many know there's freedom today? Because of what Christians did many, many years ago. So thank a Christian for freedom today in America, right? It was the Christian worldview that brought about the freedom today that Americans experience. Just look at your neighbor and say thank you for what your ancestors did. Amen. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if, like me, your ancestors came a long time later because your ancestors that I'm talking about are Christian. How many, rep- how many believe your people are God's people? Amen. Your people are God's people. Let's open up our Bibles to First um, Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Let's turn on these lights as well, my brother. Isn't it so good to have the Riascos with us today? Let's give it up for them. Amen. As well as our missionary friends right here, Gene and Tisa. Let's give it up for them and their family. Amen. We support them. Your mission dollars are at work. They're still praying for the door to open up to the Philippines. And those who know what's going on in the Philippines, we saw that the president became like a dictator, didn't he, during the time of COVID. That's what I was told by Pastor Ray Lierna, who's a pastor that's there. He said the president made the lockdown so strict, and yet he said that if the news reports anything other than the government's news, they'll be arrested. Have you heard any of those things, sister? I'm looking at you to represent the Filipinos. Is there any other Filipinos here? So I'm just looking to my sister. And if you haven't heard it, that's what we were told. Is that not true, my uh, sisters? That's what you're being told by the mission organization as well? And uh, we talked to my friend that's um, uh, he's, he's, he's a Filipino born, but came to America, worked for, uh, uh, what was the church he worked for, Pastor Humberto? Uh, Ray, Pastor Ray, where did he go? No, not Chicago. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Faith Tabernacle. Thank you, sir. Yes, Faith Tabernacle, Pastor Ray. So anyways, he's our friend, and we need to pray for him as well. He's Filipino native, came to America, pastored in Chicago, now is back in the Philippines, and he has told us about that. So let's just stop and pray for the Philippines. Let's do that. Amen. Father, we lift up the Philippines to you right now. We love the Philippines, God. We pray for you to bless them, to encourage them during this time of the COVID outbreak. We also ask you to guard their government from dictatorship or unlawful activity. We ask you to protect the Christians and the churches who are being threatened during this time. And Lord, we also pray for Pastor Ray, who is a bishop over many churches there, working with children as well at the schools. We pray for you to continue to bless him and heal his body as he's dealing with sickness. And then, Lord, we pray for uh, Gene and Tisa as they are believing to go there to start working with the children and to help care for them, that you will open up the doors for them and for the gospel. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Don't we love the Philippines? The Philippines. That's how they say it, right? Philippines. No, she's not laughing, so I get no love. I'm a little embarrassed right now. I'm a little embarrassed. I wish I had Tony, my big Filipino brother. He lets me tease every now and then. That's their accent. But uh, I love the Philippines. So let's go here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Somebody say, hold on. Say, hold on to faith. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. How many know we're in a fight? 
Come on, you believe that? We're in a fight. Right now, we're fighting against the enemies of darkness, and they use people. So your neighbor, your person that you may go to work with, may be using their worldview to fight against you. But listen, it's not them. We got to have compassion for them. As I was looking at my brother's Facebook post, and I would encourage anybody who wants to pray for the lost and have a heart for the lost to go to Nini's Deli on Facebook and look at what he's suffering right now. Matter of fact, brother, go and put this up here. I want people to see this. Is it okay if I share this, brother, so we can pray for you? Because as I see the battle, I have to have the spiritual eyes. Because in the natural, it makes me angry as a person. But we have to fight our battle, not against spiritual, uh, not against people, but against spiritual forces. And I love using Nini's as an example because let us not get too comfortable where we're at right now, but let us be ready because they may be coming for you next. They may be coming for your job next. They may be coming for your family. So for those of you who might not understand or need to be caught up here, we have a brother and his family, that's his mother right here, that started a business many years ago in the community, like, is it considered Wicker Park? West Town, right outside of the downtown area, and has always been there, was there before the white liberals were there, right? It was um, not necessarily a good neighborhood when your family first came. Bought up land and property and started as a a bodego, like a neighborhood store, and then it turned, I'm just going to keep looking at you now for all the info. Mama's here, got to get my P's and Q's, right? And um, they turned it into a cafe or a deli and really let Juan take it over, their son, and it began to grow and it became popular and young adults and a lot of the community loved it. But what happened during the Black Lives Matter movement is uh, they went to their local businesses, people who are in Black Lives Matter, they went to their local businesses to see if they shared a black square. And when and this was supposed to show that you were down with BLM. And so when they went to Nini's and they didn't see a black square there, they began to harass him. And then he clearly made his post. He said, listen, I am totally standing for justice. The police of George Floyd, they're wrong. They need to be tried. He said, I believe all lives matter. Everyone should be treated equally. But that wasn't good enough. And so they were very rude and racist towards him and his family to the point of protesting it. And all of that was something they would have been okay with as a family. But then when it went to the next level, they started making death threats, burning down the building, that they were going to do harmful things. And so that's why the Riascos moved to Dallas and shut down the restaurant for a season. And now there's a Dallas church. Can we hear an amen for what God is doing there? Amen. So let's make this much, much larger, please. And then what happened was is that over time, God put it into the family's heart to restart it. And go to his testimony post, please. It should be the pinned one. Is it the pinned one? Thank you. And so as, as they re- wanted to reopen it, the, the Nini's Deli pin post, my brother. Can you go help him back there, my brother? Thank you. Appreciate it. Just want everyone to see this so they can be in prayer. This is a serious thing. This is a big deal. Imagine this being your family. Imagine this being your business, right? And so they say, we want to reopen it. And now I want everyone to see this. Somebody say, fight the good fight. Okay, we just read that. Swipe back over to the scripture, please, just so everybody can see it. Everybody needs to put this into context. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command. Is it a suggestion? Is it a suggestion? What is it? It's a command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may what? Fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Somebody say, hold on to faith. Come on, somebody say, fight the good fight. 
Okay, now going back to that, pay, that post, please, and you can, in just a little bit, you can put that next to that other uh, screen. Look at this. My brother got a word from the Lord to basically say, from this point on, we are not going to engage the fool in their folly. He's not going to go out there preaching to the protesters. He's going to let them expose themselves for what they are. But he's going to show now, because one of the things that they felt was that his business was not clear at the beginning of who he was or who his family was. So that was a lot of the anger they had towards him was betrayal. You betrayed us. And the thing that they really felt betrayed over wasn't racism. And I want every African-American, come on, I want every person to listen to me right here, every Nubian king and queen, listen to me. BLM got tossed aside within no time, and the white, lesbian, homosexual liberals took it over because the offense they then had towards Juan had zero to do with BLM anymore. It had to do with that part of his story was, I was a homosexual, but Jesus Christ set me free. And as you will now see under here, all the hate, 99% of the hate has zero to do with African-American causes and everything to do with homosexuality. So I just want everyone to get woke with this, especially in the black community. If you want to fight for justice and do these things, we stand with you. But do not let the gays and lesbians take over your cause. Slap their little hands and say, you don't get this in Jesus' name. Your perverse lifestyle doesn't get to hijack our cause for justice. Amen? It is totally different and unrelated. And all cultures, red and yellow, black and white, who uplift the Bible, consider that to be vile and disgusting and perverse and sinful. Amen? Can I get a nice loud cheer from the African Americans, for the African Americans that are here? Amen? Because you stand with us and we stand with you. We're together. So we cheer our brothers and sisters on. And so notice this now. Notice here how the testimony is going to be clear now. This is the kind of person he is. He's not being provocative. He's not being agitating. You know, just he puts out his testimony as he's relaunching the business. Hello, everyone. My name is Juan Eles Riasco. My mom and I own Nini's Deli together. And before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I used to be a homosexual. I still remember the day as if it was yesterday when my older brother, Jose, shared the good news of Jesus with me and told me that I was on a path of destruction without Christ. I thank God that he did not sugarcoat it because it was his forthrightness that struck a chord in my heart. After that moment, I was immediately convicted for my sins, and just a few months later, I went to church and cried out to Jesus's mercy over, cried out for Jesus's mercy over my life. Now I am married to the woman of my dreams. She's right there, and we have two precious children, and Lord willing, many more. Hallelujah. It is because of this that I, as a business owner, now I have such a big heart for my LGBTQ friends. If Christ could change me, surely he can change anyone. Let's give it up for that testimony. Amen. Now scroll up a little bit for me, please. And there he is being recognized by Telemundo in the times that he used to have the business, when everybody loved him and wanted to be his friend, right? Now, is anything, did he say anything there that you disagree with as a Christian? Did he say anything there that would be unkind or you would be ashamed of if you had a homosexual friend, lesbian friend? Friend, please leave that up, my brother. Uh, Juan, can you stay back there and help them? Because I think they might need it today. Thank you. I really want to highlight this. Did he say anything you would be ashamed of if you had a family member or someone that was in the LGBTQ lifestyle? No. Are you embarrassed by that? 
Do you think, let's go to the, the cause of freedom now, do you think in America business owners who have been accused of betraying people for not sharing their values, do you think it's wrong for a business owner to share what their values are as a Christian? No, Muslims do it all the time. Would you expect to have pork at a Muslim restaurant? No, why? Because they're Muslim. That's part of their religion. Would you expect to have meat at a vegan restaurant? No, that's part of their religion. Would you go to a meditation clinic and expect to play rock and roll there, School of Rock? No, would you do that? No, because you would understand what that is there for. So for whatever reason, let's say we're giving them the benefit of the doubt, you didn't understand he was a Christian. That's why he couldn't join with BLM. That's how Christians are when they look at organizations. If they don't go along with their worldview and their values, they can't join with them. But they try to find common ground. So what was common ground about BLM? We believe there was some injustice done by the police in that situation. Let's take care of it. And he was fully clear about that. But why can't he join with BLM? Why? Why can't he put up BLM? BLM is supported and maintained by lesbians, and it's led by lesbians, it's Marxist, and it's racist, and we don't like their tactics, right? It's Christians. Can I get an amen? Okay, so for the benefit of the doubt, they should be able to have the maturity to understand the difference. This is a Latino. His family has come from Cuba and Mexico. They understand that they you know, should understand they love the neighborhood and love the community, and so it should be very basic that if your main cause was you felt betrayed. Now he's going to share his testimony. There should be basically from the community one of two responses, right? Just one or two responses. Either I don't agree with you, and I'm just going to let you know I don't agree with you, or I'm just going to ignore you now because that's not what, what, I, what I'm about. I want to go somewhere else that is not about that, right? How many understand that that would be the, the two rational ways to go if you disagreed? I mean, if you agree, there's another way. You agree, you support and all that. But let's say you're the community and you disagree. What are the two ways to go forward? Just say, hey, you know, thanks for sharing. I disagree. You know, I'm not going to come there anymore. Or just ignore it. Just go on with your life, uh, you know, unlike the page and say, okay, Nini's is not for me. But is that what they did? No. This has been seen almost 400,000 times. Think about that. It's its largest post. 400,000 people have seen it. It has been shared over 2,000 times. And I'm going to now ask you to excuse some of the vulgarity, but I want you to see what the fight looks like today in our culture. Please click on the comments, and I want some people to see this, because let's see if people can do what we just talked about. And let's hit previous comments, please. The very first one there is you see an African-American testifying. Go all the way down because I want to start with that one. They start with an African-American testifying that he was set free from homosexuality and they make fun of him. So let me just ask you a question real quick, all the way at the bottom. One, they're going to need you to help them today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, just, just go back there for them, please. Let me ask you a question just real quick. Hold on here. I want to understand this. So now it's okay to make fun of a black Christian. So I want to make fun of that. And how he speaks and said, I got delivered. Is that now acceptable? See, I thought this was a BLM thing. Because it happened around the time of BLM, right? I thought this was a Black Lives Matter thing. Are the African Americans here? Are you okay with somebody? And I'm assuming this name doesn't sound African American. Maybe they are. Click on it. I want to see if they're a black person. I want to see if a black person or a white person shared this. Let's see. Maybe it's a black person trying to shame another black person. But I want to see. Click on their profile. Help them out. It looks like it is a black person because, you know what, the first thing that I want to see is that some of these, yeah, go to another one. Let's see if we can get a picture of this person here. Let's keep going. Okay, so it is a black person. This is what I've noticed. Well, now it's a white person, black person. Who is this? 
But I'm going to make a point either way, whether it's white or black. Okay, so a lot of white people, some black. So let's get off of this and see if we can get a, pers- get a, a picture of who this person is. Go on down, please. Scroll down. Okay, I don't know what culture this person is. Okay, let's go back. You know, wicked. But I'll make, it, I'll make the point both ways if they're white or black. Number one, if they're white, do they have permission to make fun of the black church? Do they have permission to do that? Yes or no? And then let me ask you something. As a, if it was a black person sharing that, making fun of their own culture, let me ask you a question. Has the black church been a blessing to the black community in its history? I'm talking about in its history. Yes, when the black church was the strongest in the black community, the black community had the strongest family values, had the strongest educational values. Are you guys listening to me? Ever since the black church lost its power and authority in the community, look at what's happened to it. Now, let's just stop here. That's okay. We already made that point. Let's just pick out wherever we're at. So could they stay where they were at in their own lane, ignore it, and say, I just disagree with you? No, look at this one right here. Gay. They want to gay shame him. They now are going to say back to him, you're gay. How many think that would be appropriate if I did that to a person right now and outed them and just said, you're gay? What if I did that on somebody's Facebook post and said, you're gay? Do you think that would be acceptable from the gay community outing someone, calling them to gay? Let's go up here a little bit more. Because I'm gay every day, out of the closet, but still at home. Look at this. Let's keep going up. Look at the gay shaming that they have to do. So supposedly, you're not supposed to gay shame. So now they're going to put homosexuality all over this, and this is just one person. Get away from this one person and scroll up a little bit. Yeah, okay, there we go. Let's, let's, let's start right here. Poor thing. So after turning to Jesus, you found out you were bi. Keep going. Let's just go this. Ew. Look at this. Hey, gay. Shaming him again for being gay. Look at this. It's 2021, and you let the religious freaks change who you truly are. Sad, honestly, and not fair to your wife when she catches you with another man. Shaking my head, religion truly is a joke. Stop right there. Hang on that one for a little bit. Now, let me ask everyone here a question, because we're going to get back to preaching, but I want to set up what I believe the fight is today. Do you think that this is just geared towards a person named Juan and happening because of a person named Juan, or do you think they're fighting against what you and I believe? Yeah, they're fighting against the belief. They're fighting against the worldview. Do you think they care whether or not it was Juan who said it or whether or not it was Sister Rosa who said it or Ariel or TJ? Do you think they care? No. This is how the gay community, like I said, there's nothing here. Just scroll up a little bit so they can see. Nothing here that I can see, like 99% of it has anything to do with BLM anymore. But supposedly that's what it was. Keep going. Keep helping them, Juan. Keep scrolling them up. Look at this. Does anything here, look at this. The good news is that Jesus loves gays. You know what he doesn't love? Bigots. Jesus hates bigots. Okay? This is it. Gay, gay, gay. All this gay shaming is supposedly what they are supposed to be using, what, to attract him back to homosexuality? Stop right here. Get the blank out of here, man. Using Christ as your band-aid to cover up self-hate in the same breath you say you have a big heart for your LGBTQ friends and then suggest he can change others like he changed you. Ha-ha, the ironic blasphemy. So let me oh, oh, and let's see this one because this one uh, was said a lot too. I hope that someday you can love yourself as is. Conversion therapy is hateful BS. Do you think... There is any person that could stand before them right now. Everybody think of this mob gathering together on this Facebook feed. Do you think there's any person 
that could talk to them the truth of Christianity that they wouldn't shame? No. Because what did he say in his post that was offensive? What did he say in his post that was aggressive? What did he say other than, I am a Christian, this is what God did in me, and I believe he can do it in others, and that's what I'm praying for. You see, this is the world that we're living in. Thank you, my brothers. Let's give it up for the four brothers in the back that helped me today. Thank you. Let's go back to the scripture. Let's go back to the scripture, please. You've got to hold on to faith in this culture because they're not changing what they believe right now unless the Lord changes their heart. And if you think in this culture you're going to be able to hold on to faith and not have a battle on your hands, you don't even understand the Scripture, let alone what's happening in the real world. But I'm thankful that the Scripture speaks to the real world. Can you highlight, please, fight the battle well? You need to learn to fight the battle well. You have to. There's a way to fight it, and there's a way not to fight it. You'd have to learn how to fight the battle well. Fight in such a way that you know who your enemy is. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 with that passage still there, please. Ephesians chapter 6, number one, you need to know who your enemy is. Number one, the enemy is the devil who has been lying from the very beginning. Go on down to the spiritual warfare passage. Thank you. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his, might, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How many know that's where our battle comes from? And so we have to understand that's where it's at. That's where we're going to be fighting. But go back now, please, to that passage right there where he said, hold on. You see, what you have to do is understand that as you're fighting the devil, you have to hold on to faith. Highlight that for me, please. Hold on to faith and a good conscience. Because you know what people are going to try to get you to do? They're going to try to get you to let go of faith. They're going to try to let you, get you to let go of a good conscience. You see, he is seared in his conscience if he goes back to homosexuality. Why are they okay with homosexuality? Because they want a conscience that is seared. They don't want a good conscience. How many know that if you keep doing something against your conscience, your conscience doesn't work the same like it used to? How many have ever repeated a sin enough in your past where you knew that if I keep doing this, my conscience doesn't care anymore? That's why when you talk to sinners now and you ask them, what are you uh, doing with your conscience about these issues? And then they say, well, I feel no guilt, no shame. You have just met a person that has had a hard heart. When they say that back to you, that's not actually an affirmation that God approves of what they do. That's actually an affirmation that God has handed them over to their conscience, to a seared conscience. And if it's not by God's mercy to open up that heart again, to hear the truth of God again, they will die in a hard state. They will not recognize the truth of God anymore. Did you know that conviction is a blessing from the Lord? It's actually a blessing to be convicted. You ought to thank God that you get convicted of your sin. You should never take for granted when you're still getting convicted because conviction is a way that you fight the battle. A conviction keeps you in the fight of victory and keeps you from that place of defeat. Now notice that then Paul names people who have shipwrecked their faith. He names them Hymenius and Alexander. Please highlight that. 
we read some names in second service. And by the way, both services are different now, and sometimes I know you guys go to different services, but check on the other ones that you're not here because there's a lot of good stuff going on. But for those who were here in the last, uh, last week's second service, you know that I ended that message with Revel, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 16, naming off all of these faithful followers of Jesus Christ. But here's another list. Here's some more names, but they're not the faithful ones. They're the ones who turn their back. They're the ones who shipwreck their faith, and he names them. Hymenius and Alexander, they shipwrecked their faith. And what has he done, Paul, as the apostle? Whom I've handed over to who? Satan. Do you know that it's sometimes our job as Christians to allow people to reap the destruction of their flesh? to allow them to suffer the penalty of their sin. That's why the Bible says that if your house, a member in your house doesn't serve the Lord, then it's good to put them out of your house because you ought not to be guilty of affirming that sin. And one of the best things my parents ever did for me was kick me out when I was living for the devil so that they would not give me a safe place to sin while they were in that home. That was a blessing for them to do that. And Paul even said this. He says, I'm putting these people out of the church. I've handed them over to Satan. That's a phrase that is used of disfellowship in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm teaching them not to blaspheme. Why do you think he wants to teach them not to blaspheme? Because he wants them to see that they've been abusing the name of Christ and there's a penalty with that. How do you blaspheme Jesus as a supposed Christian? By saying a Jesus exists that really doesn't exist or putting things on Jesus that is not true. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, my Jesus would never judge that. My Jesus would never do that. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Or even on some of these posts, the people will say, baby, Jesus don't even own you. And they'll put out posts like that. You know what they're doing? They're blaspheming Jesus. They are attributing to Jesus their words, these, these, these attributes. They're attributing that to Jesus that does not uh, uh, glorify him. It is not to his good. It is to try to shame the real Jesus, to discredit the real Jesus. And so today I want to ask you, do you want to hold on to faith or do you want to shipwreck it and be taught not to blaspheme? Because either way, you're going to be learn, you're going to learn a lesson. In Christianity, we're either going to learn how to fight well or we're going to learn how to be handed over to Satan. How many want to learn how to fight well? Amen. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 6 is the hall of faith. How many are encouraged by the hall of faith? Watching and learning from these people of the past that if they can do it, we can do it. How did they accomplish all these great things? They did it by grace through faith. Somebody say, by grace through faith. Amen. Look at it, verse 6, chapter 11 says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he what? Exists and that he does what? Rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, this is where I always love to encourage people about the works they're going to do for, for God. Because last week in first service, I talked about we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. That's not because of what we do. It's because of what God does. Every good work that we're ever going to do has been prepared in advance for us to do. Why? Because we're the workmanship of God. So in other words, we were created by God to do good works. I'm a work created to do good works. It's just like getting today in a plane. Can a plane fly? Yes. It was created to fly. Can you live pure? Yes, because you were born again, recreated to be pure. Can you live holy? Yes, you were born again, created to live holy. Come on, somebody. Can you live free from anger? Yes, because you were created to live free from fear of uh, you know, anger and then letting people down and bitterness and all that. You were created to forgive. How many believe you're a new creation? Amen. Amen. Look at that. But get it. 
Without the faith, though, you can't please God. So now if you start to doubt that, you start to doubt who God made you to be, you start to doubt what God said you could do, what's going to happen? You're going to start to lose your battles, and you're going to start to get tired in the fight. How many know that in this fight, if you don't do it with God, it's really tiring? How many know if you try to stand up against a culture and you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, how many know it's not going to last very long? That's why we see in the conservative world, in the world that shares a lot of our same values, the Fox News conservatives, what do we see in their lives? Broken marriages, just like in the world. Sex scandals, just like in the world. Broken families, just like in the world. Why? Because conservatism, though it may have truths from Christianity, it's not able to save you. It is powerless. It is powerless. Yeah, they may have truths, and we agree with them, and we partner with them in many ways, but if these supposed conservatives don't learn how to hold on to faith, they will not be able to fight well. And so when you look at this, it's impossible to please God without faith. And what is faith? Faith is trusting God. Go to chapter 11, verse 1. It's right up above there. Faith, those who want the definition, it's defined to us in in Scripture. Faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. It's trust. It's another way of saying trust. You are trusting God even though you may not see what God is doing. God is working on our behalf even when we don't see it. You go through the stories of the Bible. God was doing something great even in the midst of their tests. So from tests come testimonies. But oftentimes we don't want to go through the test, but we want God to bless our mess. And that's a problem because if you don't allow God to bring you through the test, then you have a mess and God is not going to bless your mess. But if we learn to fight well by faith, holding on to faith, then what's going to happen? then God will keep on blessing while the devil keeps on messing. Because if you're looking for a walk in the park before you start serving God, that doesn't exist, not on this planet. You will go through trials. You will go through hardships. But while the devil's messing, God is what? Blessing. And I know these are a lot of corny one-liners to some of you, but I'll tell you what, you get them down deep in your heart, they'll change your stinking thinking. They will turn your frown upside down. These are good one-liners, are they not? They'll put a pep in your step. They'll remind you you're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You're the first and not the last. Because listen, the test is there for a testimony, not to make a mess. If my brother during that time of the test did not have faith, that could have became a mess. First mess that could have came is him knocking somebody upside their head, right? That could have been the first mess that happens. He just fights back. Look, I'm going to show you what I really think about you. But you know what? He endured their hardships, didn't he? And that became a testimony that even when they mocked and ridiculed him, he didn't hate back. He gave them love. He gave them kindness. And now look at your life. What tests are you going through? Let's make it personal. What are things in your life that the enemy is coming against? Because generally, as a rule of thumb, where the enemy is resisting you the most is where God is wanting to bless you the most. You see, the enemy knows where God wants to bless you and to prosper you. And, the, and, and so where the enemy sees the hand of God, he wants to put that resistance. I mean, just think about it. If you were trying to sabotage somebody, would you come at the place that is meaningless, unimportant in their life? Or would you come at the most important part of their life? Would you come at the most important thing that they do? And that's what Satan does. So let's say you're here today and you're single and you know at one point you're going to get married and that it's your, it's your goal to at one point have family and to have children and all of that. Where do you think the devil's going to attack you right now as a single person? In your sexuality. 
He wants to have you do it another way. He wants you to ruin your testimony. And not that we should ever consider children outside of wedlock a a curse because all children are always a blessing. But he wants to make children a burden. He wants to make children a hardship for you because you haven't done it right outside of marriage. And yes, it can even lead to abortion and those things. But if you stay true to God's calling and you stay true to your sexuality, then you will accomplish your purpose. So oftentimes all we have to do is look at where we're being attacked the most and then see that's where God is wanting to bless the most. Where where are the ways that we are as a church are always attacked? We're attacked about our street ministry. We're attacked about us going out and preaching the gospel. Well, where do you think the devil hates us the most? Us going out and preaching the gospel. Don't you think the devil would love for a church like us just to stay within these four walls? Because isn't that what everybody else is doing? I mean, right now, if I said to you, seriously, if I said to you, I will, and I've done this before, by the way, on Facebook. I've done it before uh, with, with people online to challenge them. I said, I will give you $100 if you can name 10 churches that regularly go out to the streets. And I kept that $100. Because I'm telling you, if I asked you right now, I'm serious. If I said, name to me 10 churches in Chicago, you know if right now we can go to their website or their Facebook page and see evangelism is a regular thing this church does. I'm not talking about their 4th of July picnic. I'm not talking about their prayer meeting. I'm not talking about their worship conference. I'm saying show me 10 churches that say we go out there and we preach consistently. It's hard to find, isn't it? Let's just be honest. I'm not trying to say we're the only ones, but it's hard to find. So where do you think the devil's going to resist us? A church that goes out and preaches. Where do you think the devil's going to resist you on your job? You getting promoted and you having uh, authority on that job. So what's he going to do? He's going to cause all these gnats, these, all these annoying people with attitudes in your job to keep you frustrated, to keep you busted so that you don't, you don't get promoted. He wants you to be distracted by that. How many know what I'm talking about on your job? There's some gnats buzzing around. You might all like your coworkers, but I've been pastoring for a while. And let's just be honest, not everybody always likes their coworkers. But how many know you're not supposed to be distracted by those gnats? You're supposed to understand, you know what, these are just gnats. These are just gnats. I am not going to let them keep me from my promotion. But I've seen good Christians, people who really love the Lord, come to me and go, you know what? I just resigned from my job, Pastor. And, you know, they weren't treating me right. I just resigned. And you know what? I'm not, you know, I'm not happy about it, but I know God's going to use it because I'm going to go to more Bible studies now and I'm going to do all this and that. And you know what? They, they think I'm going to give them a high five, but I'm not really excited to give a high five. You know why? Because we don't need them that more Bible studies. We need them on that job to prosper and to be blessed and to outlast those gnats. We need them to go above those gnats. But see, that's what the devil will do. He sees you're gifted at that job. Maybe you can be a, a, a CEO or COO or something you know, important on that job to continue to bring change. But what he wants to do is distract you and get you to quit. It's the same thing here in our, in our city. How many know in, in our city everybody wants us as the church to not unify, to not vote together, to not do events together, all of this, so he keeps all the churches divided, has us all fighting so that we won't, we won't unify as a voice to vote, though the homosexuals will unify as a, as a voice to vote. The Muslims will unify as a voice to vote. Are you listening? Come on, somebody. He'll keep us all divided so that we can do it. Why? Because he knows that if we as Christians united among our principles, I'm talking about genuine Bible-believing Christians, we could vote out every one of these jokers right now. Every single one of them. Still in Chicago, 60, 70% supposed Christians. 
And what, what should we all agree on as Christians? Homosexuality is a sin. Abortion is a sin. Murder in the streets is wrong. Corruption is wrong. All of that. But you know what? We keep fighting amongst ourselves, and here goes the world united and keeps voting in theirs. How do you think somebody like Lori Lightfoot gets a job? How do you think she does that? She does it by uniting her people. That's how she does it. She finds enough people to agree with her that say, you know what? We may not see everything eye to eye, but I agree enough with you to vote for you, you know, a vote for you to get you in. And we as Christians couldn't do that. We have Christians voting for Biden, who's one of the most pro-abortion presidents we've ever had, and is an oompa loompa. God have mercy on him. We, we don't even know how to have enough sense to be able to stand against the uh, destruction of our own people, our own children, abortion. That should just be obvious, right? Can I, oh, see, it's getting quiet when I preach like that. How many think that should just be obvious? How many believe if I said, okay, here we have one candidate over here, because I'm going to take my time now, because some of y'all didn't get this, so I'm going to take my time. How many believe if I said to people, like, here we got one candidate, this one candidate's been a pervert, they've gotten some divorces, they've been nasty at different times, sometimes they cuss, maybe every now and then they do some shady deals, then we got, you know, we got this person as a candidate, and then over here, this person wants to allow 10 million people to die over the next four years of their presidency, 2 million a year, or a million a year, 4 million, how many know if you're going to choose between the two evils, the lesser of two evils, how many know it's going to be obvious? I'm not messing with the one that wants to kill a million. I'm going to vote for the one that's not going to kill a million. How many know that would just be common sense? But how many know Christians have lost their common sense because they don't know how to fight well? They don't know how to fight well. So they said, oh, I'm going to pull out my speck inspector glasses to try to find every speck I don't like about the Republican candidate, everything I don't like about the conservative, and then when I come over here with a huge log in my eye, I'm going to overlook all of these different things. But you see, that's how the Christian world has been duped. That's how the Christian community has been duped. That's why some rappers like Lecrae are a shame to the Christian community because what was it, the governor or mayor race, he went and rapped and promoted the secular, ungodly, pro-aborting, well, whatever it was, governor or senator, instead of the Christian. How many know that's sinful? What was it? Was it a governor or mayor? Which one was it? I want to know what he rapped for. Senator? Thank you, my brother. See, that's how we are now. We don't know how to fight well. We don't have faith like we used to. You know, when Reverend Martin Luther King had faith that we could see segregation taken away, he went to the churches. He went to the churches and said, don't we all agree that human beings should be treated equally? Don't we all have faith? And he said he had a dream, but that's another way of saying I have faith, I have hope that things can change, right? And then if you heard his dream, you had to have faith, hope, trust that that could happen. What did he, what did he use as his compelling way to, to unify people? He used the Christian church. He used the Christian church. And yet now we don't know how to fight well. And we wonder why we're losing our schools. We wonder why we're losing our communities. We don't know how to fight well. This is another example. All these churches on all these blocks don't know how to stop violence. Don't know how to stop it. And yet we're out here preaching and they get more angry at us than what's going on in the community. I remember one time I was preaching to a person of color, we'll say a Latino. I was preaching to him at Wright College, and a white liberal professor stepped up and got in the way of our conversation and said, you leave that kid alone. You don't have the right to come out here and bully these guys. And I go, first of all, he's an adult. He knows how to speak for himself. If he doesn't want me to talk to him, he could just say he doesn't want to talk to me. And we don't need you to help us. 
And then I said to myself, I said, if this white dude saw this Latino dark on a dark alley at night, he'd be running the other way. Because you never see these white liberals in the hood. You never see them out in the neighborhoods. Are you guys listening to me? The only time you see them out there is the one time I saw a white person on the west side is when they were drumming up the votes for the election. That's the only time I saw their little truck out there and these white liberals trying to get the community to vote for them. I'm not telling the truth or what. Come on. They don't go out there. They don't love the community. They don't spend time with them. I've been in the black community and Latino community now for 10, 15, 20 years. And so what, what they want to tell us is, oh, you, you guys are crazy going out here preaching. They get more mad at us preaching the gospel instead of us trying to preach against abortion, the, the genocide of, of children, preaching against gangs and violence, preaching against the sexual perversion that's destroying our community. They'll get more mad at you. And yet it continues to rage on. They don't have the answers, do they? They don't know how to fight well. Go back to that Ephesian passage, please. Why is it they don't know how to fight well? Is because it's the first one. They don't know how to get faith from the Lord to stand on his word. Next one, please. They don't know how to stand on the word of God. Look at what it says. I'm giving you this command. Everybody say command. In keeping with the prophecies once made about you, that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. They don't have faith, and they don't have a good conscience. And these are the people. Let me just be very honest with you. This is the world that I live in. I feel like how they sometimes say um, the loony, uh, I won't say the loony tunes, but the crazy people, I guess. That's an, still derogatory, but the mentally challenged people have taken over the, uh, the mental clinic. Let's say it like that, right? Let's try to say it nice. Or we could just say that the crazy people have taken over the clinic, okay? This is the world that I feel we're living in as the church. Hymenius and Alexander are the leaders now. Hymenius and Alexander, who are the ones blaspheming, they're the ones in charge. For example, I just saw a woman put out a book. I wish I knew her name. Maybe we'd even put it up here that put out a book as a lesbian to rebuke the church that stands against homosexuality. As a lesbian church kid, she has now wrote a book to shame churches, to embarrass them, to call them out, for them to feel as bullies if they believe that people who are LGBTQ need to repent and change. Her whole book is based on this, and I'm so tempted to want to challenge her to a debate because I would love to hear her deal with scripture because she says she's a Christian. That's my point in saying this. She says that she's still a Christian that preaches and teaches. So what would we say to a person like that? We would go, okay, here's the Bible. Show me where homosexuality is affirmed. But what would she do? Would she do that? No, 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 no. What she would do is go through the suicide statistics of those who have same-sex attractions, and then she would go through all of her heartfelt stories of all the pain that people have endured in churches like ours that consider it a sin. So would she use the Scripture as her sword? No. She would try to use your emotions to manipulate you. And isn't that what the devil does? He just comes and like he does, even just with Jesus, he goes, oh, Jesus, look how hungry you must be. Look at all the things you could do with these rocks. I bet you could just turn them all into bread because you're so hungry, aren't you, Jesus? You see how the devil always just wants you to think about your flesh and think about your desires and what's the most tempting at that time? And then what else did Jesus tempt the, uh, uh, rather, what did the devil tempt Jesus with? He came over to Jesus and he said, if you're the son of God, why don't you do this, you know, launch yourself off this hill, mountain, and, you know, the angels will swoop you up. 
Isn't that just what the world does? You know, if you were Christians, I just saw Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis website. Just put it up because it's always coming up during these times of the gay pride. Just put up a post that said, what would Jesus do during gay pride month? And then they put the answer is, answer is wave the gay pride flag and stand in solidarity with the people. You know, because isn't that, isn't that the Jesus that we all believe in? See, they would get you to question, the devil's getting you to question the Jesus identity, just like he got Jesus to question his identity. If you're the son of God, jump off this cliff, show everybody the angels will swoop you up. And then what was the other temptation he gave there at the end? Here's a way, Jesus, because I know you've come here to inherit the nations. You've come here, Jesus, to inherit the world, to take away my authority, right? Here's the way, Jesus, to have it, but without the cross. Just bow down and worship me. Just bow down. And isn't that what the devil's saying? Hey, Joe, if you want to be a preacher that we all love, just bow down to our agenda. Because how many know? I mean, I wish I could do it just for a, a experiment, but I just don't have it in me. But I wish I could do it like for a month just as undercover and make a post and say, I'm so sorry for the trauma that I've caused people as a pastor. I have now come to the error of my ways. I accept the LGBTQ. You guys would all leave the church, I know, but just follow me right here. But I wish, I wish I could just do it because then guess what? Then guess what? what? Everybody who said I was a clown, everybody who said I was so terrible, what would they put under my post now? Oh, you're so courageous. We're standing with you. We're, we're so proud of you. Wouldn't they do that? I noticed this with Nini's. Nini's had a 5.0 rating, almost unheard of on Yelp, was the number one rated uh, business in Chicago for restaurants. And now when you see people uh, talking about his restaurant, oh, that food was trash. Oh, your food is trash. Oh, we're going to report you to the health clinic. You see how they fight? That's how the world fights. That's how the devil fights. Oh, but right now, if Juan were to come out, oh, I, I renounce my church. I accept my identity. I found a Jesus that accepts me. How many know there would be people saying, oh, I got goosebumps. Oh, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. And by the way, your food is the best. <laughs> Wouldn't that be happening? Because that's how the world fights. The world fights through the temptation of the devil. But we fight through faith. We fight through a good conscience. Can I hear an amen? Go with me now to the end of the book. In closing, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. The same book of Timothy. Notice how he ends this book. And I hope today, honestly, you're not just seeing this as a thing that we're exemplifying with Nini's alone. Because is it not going to come to all of us at, at some point? How many of us already have already, how many of us already have been persecuted in some way? Have already been rejected by friends and family because of our beliefs and stances? And you know they would love you. Like today, you would be at that Fourth of July barbecue. You would be their bestie if you were just doing what they were doing. Oh, you're my bestie. You're my fam. You're, you're everything to me. But now that you're not, now they don't love you. Now, now they say they don't, they don't know where your number's at. Oh, man, I lost your number. I don't know how to invite you to this thing, you know, coming up with all kinds of excuses. Oh, I thought you would be in church on 4th of July. Yeah, I'm only in the morning. What about in the afternoon and evening, you know? Why didn't you invite me, you know? But they're going to play it off like, you know, it's, 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 not really, it's not really as bad as you think. We're just giving you some space. But, but you know what? They know the world, even those who claim to love us, they know there's a battle, and they're convicted being around us. That's why they're forgetting your number. 
That's why they're forgetting to call you. And the Bible says don't get discouraged. Be encouraged that you're suffering in the same way the prophets did. And then others of you, you don't have frenemies. You just have straight-up enemies. They tell you they hate you, right? I used to have frenemies. Now I don't have so many. Now I just have straight haters, okay? And they always watching my feeds and all that. That's why some of you, like during the anniversary and different times, you guys want to leave me stuff on my Facebook. I'm like, no, I can't do that anymore. I can't let my Facebook just be free for you to leave a message whenever you want. You would be surprised the kind of messages they were leaving. And then, you know, I wouldn't be at my, my phone and somebody would tell me, oh, man, there's some crazy thing up there. People got so desperate at one point to try to come against me, they... they um, they back searched my name, and there was a person out there with my name, but it's Joey, Joey Rirostic, somewhere up northeast, like in Maine or something, that beat his wife and kids. God have mercy on him. He needs to meet Jesus. And then went to jail and got charged and all this, and they were putting that up on my Facebook, putting that up everywhere, saying, this is who your pastor is. He's a wife abuser. He's from Maine. <laughs> you know, he, he has charges up in, I mean, um, a New Hampshire, you know. It's like, come on now. But that's how they fight. That's how the world fights. But everybody say, but you man of God. Somebody say, but you woman of God. Flee from all of this. Come on, say it. Flee from all of this. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. That's what we do. We fight the good fight of faith. Don't get discouraged if they come against you. Don't get discouraged if the world turns its back on you. Don't get discouraged if you get left out. Do you know how many times we've done weddings here, and it has nothing to do with the situation that we've been in the media over, but we do weddings and family members don't come, and and their family members are the ones getting married? We've done weddings, and moms haven't even showed up for the person getting married. Come on. We've done weddings. We don't even see parents show up, fathers. I wish I could get some of them to testify right now, but uh, that's for another time. But we have done weddings where even the parents don't show up. Why? Because their children are Christians now. They would have rather, I want everyone to understand this, they would have rather, even the parents, would have rather their children shacking up, getting drunk on the weekends, living with somebody they're not married to, getting abortions when they get pregnant, than to be in this church serving Jesus Christ. That's how the world is. And they'll try to hold that against you and say, well, if you loved me, you would do this. Well, if you were really my family member, if you were really my cousin, if you were really my daughter, if you were really my so-and-so, you would do this. And that's manipulation. The Bible says flee this. Be a man or woman of God and pursue these things. This is what we pursue while we're fighting our battle, holding on to faith, while we're not shipwrecking our faith, while we're not giving it up in this generation. We pursue righteousness. You see, we should be able to look back into church history and see what we believe they believed. And anytime we say this, they always try to come back at us and say, well, they believed in slavery. No, they didn't, you nincompoop. My people never believed in slavery. My people fought against slavery. How many know there were always Christian abolitionists? How many know not everybody believed the way some people believed in America? How many know there was also other Christians, not just in America? I want to, like, remind them. Have you ever heard of Egypt? Have you ever heard? There's been Christians there longer than in America. They're called the cops. Not the cops like you call when you're in trouble, but the Coptics. How many have ever heard of the cops? C-O-P-T-S. Oh, like four of you. Put up the, go help him, please. Put up Google uh, the cops. I want to show some people. How, how many have ever heard of the Ethiopian Christians? 
two of you. I'm going to teach you some history right now. Do you know that Ethiopia was Christianized before Europe and Rome was? How many know that there's a story in the Bible about an Ethiopian eunuch? And last time I checked, you're not white from Ethiopia. Can I hear an amen? Come on, somebody. But they don't want to tell you, oh, the white man did this. And, oh, y'all, y'all say you want to bring it back to the old school. But the old school, we were in chains. Listen, my friend, go back to the Bible and show me anybody owning somebody. Go back to the Bible and show me anybody putting somebody else in chains. Show me where you could steal a person. The Bible says a man thief is going to hell the same hell as if you uh, uh, killed your own parents, the Bible says, in Timothy. Go to the Coptics. You're showing me Coptic church. Coptic church, just say Coptic church people. I want you to see the Coptics. See if they look like me, okay? Let's see if the Egyptians have looked like that. The Christianity has outdated any European country. Just pick on any one of these beautiful people here. Do these people look white? Up here, over here. Everybody look here. Do these people look white? Do they look European? Do they have blonde hair, blue eyes? What do they look like? Like, like Middle Eastern, where Jesus came from, right? Didn't Jesus stay a little bit in Egypt? And, and Egypt is on what continent? Does anybody know what, what continent Egypt is on? Africa. Go to Ethiopian Christians. The Egyptian Christians have been around from day one. Some of the Egyptians, the Cyrene who called, carried Jesus' cross is from northern Africa. The Ethiopian eunuch won to the Lord by Philip the evangelist is from Ethiopia. Ethiopia Christians. Please click on that. I just want everybody to see this because we're going to keep the same faith that the Egyptians kept for the last 2,000 years. The Ethiopians have kept for the last 2,000 years. How many know Ethiopia has been around longer than America? I know. We're all distracted now. Lord, I just pray for the sound booth ministry today. I pray for some help back there, Lord, for help for them, help for me. Yeah, we just having so much trouble today, Lord. If I had you back there, as I asked you, you would have helped me. I know I needed you back there. Can you help them? Go back there and help them. Thank you, my brother. That's why, what do we even have here now? Yeah, now we're learning about anatomy, stupidia. I don't even know what to think here now. This, this has become its own thing now. There we go. Click on any one of these pictures of the beautiful people here. Let me ask you a question. Do these, do these people look like me? Do they look European? Why is it when we talk about the Bible, everybody wants to say it's white and European? Isn't that racist of them? Isn't it racist for somebody to say to you Christianity is white and European? How many know Ethiopian Christians were around a long time before America was ever around? How many know Ethiopian Christians were around a long time before even the Roman Empire how many know Ethiopia has been around a long time? How many remember Solomon meeting with the Queen of Sheba? Y'all getting quiet up in this church right now. Don't be Presbyterian on me now. Well, come on. I need a Pentecostal amen. The Ethiopian, Ethiopian Jews supposedly is where Jeremiah put the tabernacle. Uh, excuse me, the Ark of the Covenant. They go back so much farther than any of us that come from European or Latino cultures. Why is it when I point to the Bible, they now want to point to what white people did, what, 300, 400 years ago? Once again, going to hell. We all agree slave traders go to hell, right? But why is it they ignore these people? If you went and asked these Ethiopians right now, is homosexuality a sin, what do you think they're going to say? Of course. If you ask these Ethiopians right now, these Ethiopian Christians, if aborting your children is a sin, what do you think they're going to say? 
They're going to say, of course, and if you try it here, we're going to kill you. Like you, a mother tries to kill her own baby in Ethiopia, that's not going well for them. In certain African nations, it's illegal to be a homosexual. I'm not saying I agree with every way they're attributing to the things of the Bible, but I'm saying for you and I to be so duped by this culture to think that when we say righteousness and go back to the Bible, they're thinking about some white slave owner and want to shame you. I'm talking about Christians who have had the faith longer than our nation and nations all put together. Going back to the passage, please. Flee this man of God. Don't get caught up in this world's trends, in this world's hashtags. Somebody say, flee it. Get away from it. What should you pursue? Pursue righteousness. Have the Ethiopians been righteous for 2,000 years? Yes. Have the Coptics been righteous for 2,000 years? We got my Greek family here. Have the Greek Orthodox, do the Greek Orthodox think homosexuality is a sin? Yes. Do they think abortion is a sin? Yes, they think it's all a sin. Why? Because they go back to the Bible times. We are Protestants. We protest the ancient churches only. Listen, this is not to uh, say we should all become Catholic or Orthodox, but everybody understand our history. We only protest them where they come away from the Bible. We don't protest the godly heritage they've passed down to us all of these years. They canonized our scriptures. They kept the saints and their traditions. Are you listening? Where we protest them is now where they say, we pray to saints. No, 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 that doesn't come from the scriptures you helped guard. They helped guard our scriptures, and now they're teaching us something opposite of our scriptures. Everybody get that? The Roman Catholics guarded our scriptures, but then now they teach us to go to priests. So we protest them wherever they leave the scriptures, but we do not shame them for the standards that they kept for those years when Protestant churches like ours were not there. How many understand that? So our heroes have come in and out of Orthodox, Coptic, Ethiopian, and these Christian churches. These Christian churches contain the faith of our ancestors. Can I hear an amen one more time? Okay, so when it says pursue righteousness, I'm talking about the church universal from this time all the way to the time of Christ. Have we always believed these things? Yes. Have we always believed racism is a sin? Have we always believed killing our children is a sin? Have we always believed that homosexuality and perversion is a sin? Have we always believed that thievery and corruption is a sin? Yes, pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue endurance. Pursue gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There are witnesses here today for this church and for every church that's ever come on this planet to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his testimony before Pontius Pilate, and you can read through that. Jesus was faithful to give his witness, and he lived up to it. All those disciples are now witnesses in their writings to what Jesus stood for. Like they recorded the testimony, the witness of Jesus. They are now Jesus' witnesses to his testimony. Do you believe that? Now are you going to keep the testimony? Uh, Vinny, would you come please in closing? Because I'm, going to, I'm just going to say this one more time. This fight is real. And the world will try to get you to set down your faith. The world will try to get you to get away from the things of God and convince you that these things are not what the church has always believed or that you can have a Christianity without Christ. Don't believe it. Stand your ground during this fight. Stand your ground. Hold on to faith. 
I want to encourage you as we're waiting for Vinny to come that in other generations, they didn't even have as many signs as we have now. We talked about that in the book of Revelation. The Bible says earthquakes would increase. We've seen the increase of earthquakes. The Bible says that many false Christs would arise. Remember we were just talking about those ancient churches? There were very few false Christs during those times. In the last 50 years, more false Christs have come upon the planet. The Bible says that nation would rise up against nation. We're seeing more conflicts than we've ever seen before. The Bible has given us these signs and our generation has seen more of these signs fulfilled than any other generation. And yet, think about this, in the generation that's seen the most signs fulfilled were the most blind. Bible says increase would, uh, the wickedness would increase and the love of many would grow cold. We live in the, one of the most cold-hearted generations that's ever been on the planet, and yet we're not crying out for God. If just people 50 years ago would have saw what we're seeing daily on the news, they would be before these altars right now weeping and crying. They would be crying out going, what has happened to this nation? What has happened to the churches? There's murder. There's abortion. There's homosexuality. There's corruption. There's laziness. There's greed. And no one's going out to preach. They would be out here. They would be on their faces weeping. We have to understand that the people that we're warring against, they're going to hell. We don't want to send them there. That doesn't make me happy. That breaks my heart. They're broken. The world doesn't have this. Does the world have righteousness? Does the world have gentleness, godliness? Would you scroll up just a little bit for me, please? To the, to the thing that I'm referencing, please. Do they have any of these things that we have? No. Do you know why they act out at us? It's because they're really acting out at God. They're taking out their hatred towards God at us. They hate us, in other words, because they hate God. And so our fight, everybody get this in closing today, our fight is for their souls. It's for their souls. We're wanting their souls to be saved. When we preach to them, we want their eyes to be opened. We want them to be able to see what's going on. When I became a Christian and my worldview began to change and my lifestyle began to change, I looked at myself different in the mirror. And you know what God told me one of those days that I was looking at myself in the mirror? Let me just back up. I want to tell you a little bit more of this story, please. And thank you for your patience today. Everybody's going to have fun anyways. You get tomorrow off, right? Just be patient with me here. So I was coming back from the mall, and I had just bought two new hoops. Remember, we were talking about, you know, our previous lifestyles without Christ and what he's done. That's, you know, I used to listen to Cypress Hill, and I wanted to get high and be like them and all of these things. And so I had these new hoops that I just got, these big silver hoops I was wearing, and I had my beanie cap over my eyes. And some of you have heard this story, but I'm going to tie it together here to what we're talking about. And I was pulling down the, the mirror in the car with my, with my mom, and when I looked at that reflection, the Lord said, that's not who you are anymore. He said, that's not you. So I took off the beanie, I took off my earrings, and he said, I made you to be different. Now, I want everyone to hear this. It was either that night or very soon afterward, I was sleeping. And when I got saved originally, 
I got, I always tell the story, I got saved at my kitchen table, but I hardly ever, you know, remember and talk about what happened at my living room couch. So when I tell the full story, I got saved with my mother at the living room table, but I got delivered at the couch with my dad. Because when my dad got home, he said, I want to pray again. I feel the Holy Spirit here right now. Listen to me. It's a real fight. And when he put his hands on me, he felt something on the inside of him say, start rebuking the enemy. Start rebuking the devil. So I believe I got delivered. Spirits left me. I felt some power struggles going on and then a freedom come over me. It was amazing. And so like I said, I'm living my Christian life. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. God said, that's not you. Take it out. I go to bed. I go to sleep. One of those nights, very, very close to that time, And one of the things that I would always do when I would get high and I would get close to losing my mind because I did a lot of bad and hard drugs and they would get really difficult at times to to keep your mind. And I did really go crazy at different times. But sometimes to try to like get myself back, I would go to the mirror and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, God, if you're real, show me the devil so I know that I'm doing the devil's work, that that I'll see him and I'll know that, that I'm not right, you know. So I had this weird ultimatum with God, which was, show me the devil, I'll know I'm doing the things of the devil, then I'll come back to you. But I would just freak myself out and leave, you know. So after this thing of God telling me, that's not who you are, looking in the mirror, I have a dream. And I'm in my parents' bathroom. And I look in the mirror and I say, God, show me who I really am. And all of a sudden, I see the spirit that was transforming me into his image. I see a spirit that has long hair, long jaw, a a, a face of anger, looking like it's on drugs and out of its mind. And at that moment, I see, listen, that everything I thought I believed in that was who I was was really the image of a spirit. It was really the image of a spirit that was molding me, contorting me, distorting me, putting his lies on the inside of me to change me from who God wanted me to be. And then I looked at that that being, that spirit, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out right now. And I felt like the sound, I felt like I heard the sound of thunder and felt a shake in my spirit even while I was sleeping. And immediately it was cast out of the mirror, out of the bathroom. And then it came into the window like a horror movie trying to get back in to the bathroom, trying to get back in. And then God said to me, by my authority, it will never come back. That spirit can never come back. And I want us now to understand this. That's really what's going on is that these demonic, these fallen spirits, these these demon-minded spirits from Satan are trying to transform us. They want us to be like them. Why do you think they want us to kill our children? Come on. Why do you think they want us to have sex with our same gender and sex with multiple partners? Because that's that's the glory they get out of it. That's the sick, twisted image they have. Why do you think they want us to kill ourselves, to shoot each other? Why is it on these, these, these blocks right here? People aren't fighting each other over land. They're not fighting each other because they're from different you know, nations. or whatever. They're fighting each other strictly out of anger and hate that has come into their hearts that has deceived them. Did you see that shooting point blank of that person in Humble Park? That guy pulled him out and just shot him. 100% demon doctrines of demons teachings of demons to hate, to kill, to murder. And so when we fight, we fight with the power of God. 
We need to cast out those spirits. We need to love them, even though they may be distorted right now, even though they may not look like how God wants them to look. They may not be acting that way. We need to see past that and see the image of God in them and to see what God has for them. Amen? Can you stand up with me? Somebody say, I'm going to fight the good fight. Amen. Band and altar workers, would you come? Thank you for your patience, saints. Let's pray. Father, I ask that if anyone here does not know and love you already, that today they would accept you as their Lord and Savior. If you haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, would you do so now? Just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Transform me, change me, O Lord. Right now, and if you're already a Christian right now, would you start to fight the good fight in prayer? Start to fight the good fight in prayer. Start to pray for your community. Start to pray for this neighborhood. Start to pray for your family, lost loved ones. I have a brother and a sister who still do not serve Jesus. Pray for them. Or if you've been, you've been yourself neglecting these things, pray for yourself right now. Say, Lord, change me. But we need to start doing the fight, don't we? We need to fight a good fight of faith. Right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for deliverance to come upon this nation. I pray for spirits of darkness to be cast out. I pray, pray for Christians to be righteous and holy and godly, holding on to the traditions of the saints of past and old. Lord, I pray you'll give us the encouragement we need. If you've been discouraged in your battle, hold on to faith. Don't let go. God is with you. Be patient. Your breakthrough is coming few more moments right now. Pray, pray, pray. I rebuke the attacks of Satan over many's lives. If you want to come up even now, you can. We'll dismiss in just a moment and still pray. But even as I'm praying, we're going to worship. You can come up. But let's make sure we talk to God right now. We've taken communion. We've remembered the death, burial, and resurrection. Let's now stand on our victory. Jesus. Jesus. Victory. We're going to hold on to faith. We're not going to let this world bring us down. We're not going to turn to anger and to violence. We're not going to turn to perversion. Come on, somebody. The Bible says the kingdom of violence, or the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We invade the enemy's kingdom. We take it back right now. We take back our children in the name of Jesus. Lord, Watch over our children. We take back our elementary schools, our high schools, our colleges in Jesus' name. We won't allow the darkness to overcome us. The light will overcome the darkness. Come on, somebody believe it today. The light shall overcome the darkness. The light shall overcome the darkness. If you've been battling with evil spirits, come on up even right now. We'll pray for you to get deliverance. Some of you might have needed to hear that story today because maybe you're being attacked. The Bible says we will cast out demons in Jesus' name. You don't need to be afraid of them. They're afraid of the name of Jesus.